you might want to read the article in your time. In a little while when I get started preaching, if you're not enjoying yourself, read it right then. That'd be a good time. <laughs> Old Brother Alder used to take his hearing aid out, take a nap on the front row when I'd go to preaching. I tried my best to get one of the deacons to wake him up, Brother Mac. He wouldn't. He said, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. So, praise the Lord. That's a true story, believe it or not, a true story. Praise God. Brother Johnson, can you run all that technological whereabouts that you got back there? Can you get? I don't know if you'll have to go through iTunes or where you'll have to go. Can you get me a track to run? Amen. Let's do I don't feel like giving up today. I don't feel like giving up today. How many of you feel like going through, do you? Praise God. Hallelujah. Brother Marty, you feel welcome to jump in and sing the backup with me when you when the urge hits you. Praise God. Let's do it. Praise God. Mm. Well, I like that downbeat on that drum. Man. Well, when I woke up this morning, it was not a lovely day. Dark clouds covered up the sky. A storm was on its way. I looked that cyclone in the eye. Spoke the winds away. Because I just don't feel like giving up today. Oh, I just don't feel like giving up today I'm not giving in to weaknesses No matter come what may The devil may have knocked me down I'm not gonna stay Cause I just don't feel like giving up today How about you? Now when demons gather all around With one intent they pray They congregate to jump on me Steal my joy away No way on earth that's gonna work Since heaven's price is paid And I just don't feel like giving up today Oh, I just don't feel like giving up today I'm not giving in to weaknesses No matter come what may The devil may have knocked me down I'm not gonna stay Cause I just don't feel like giving up today Oh no, I just don't feel like giving up today I'm not giving in to weaknesses No matter come what may The devil may have knocked me down I'm not gonna stay Cause I just don't feel like giving up today Oh, I just don't feel like giving up today No, no, I just don't feel like giving up Today, oh no, 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 run that back and let's sing it again. They know it better than I do. Y'all know that better than I do. You ain't fooling me. Come on, help me out. Sing along. Somebody be me right now. Sing. Well, I woke up this morning. It was not a lovely day. Dark clouds covered up the sky. A storm was on its way. I looked that cyclone in the eye. Spoke the winds away. Cause I just don't feel like giving up today. Oh, I just don't feel like giving up today. I'm not giving in to weaknesses. No matter come what may The devil may have knocked me down I'm not gonna stay Cause I just don't feel like giving up today Now when demons gather all around With one intent they pray They congregate to jump on me Steal my joy away No way on earth that's gonna work Since heaven's price is paid and I just don't feel like giving up today. Oh, I just don't feel like giving up today. I'm not giving in to weaknesses, no matter come what may. The devil may have knocked me down. 
I'm not gonna stay Cause I just don't feel like giving up today Oh, I just don't feel like giving up today I'm not giving in to weaknesses No matter come what may The devil may have knocked me down I'm not gonna stay Cause I just don't feel like giving up today Oh, I just don't feel like giving up today Oh, I just don't feel like giving up today Glory, you may be seated. Bless you. Woo. I sure would like to sing that other one, but I better wait till tonight for that. <laughs> this getting old ain't everything it's cracked up to be. But it sure beats the alternative. Amen. Hmm. Hallelujah. I want you to be back in the service tonight. I'm going to tell you in advance, if the Lord will allow me tonight, I'm going to preach from the fourth chapter of Second Timothy. And uh, I will probably read through the part that says, I have fought a good fight, I've finished my course, and I've kept the faith. But I will not be preaching that concept of the fight the keeping and the finishing of our faith for a very simple reason. We're not finished yet. We're not finished yet. There are still lives to live and testimonies to give and stories to tell and sermons to preach and souls to win. But we're charged. We're charged. Does anybody know what that is right there? When they come out, they call them charge cards. Now then, they can be a debit card. Now it can be a bank account. In fact, I'm told, and I don't have a reader to know for sure, but I'm pretty well convinced I'm told that that little Teflon strip on the back of that has everything pertinent to your existence in it. It has your complete history in a little Teflon tape strip. So when we talk about being charged, we're charged to... Fight a good fight, finish the course, and keep the faith. But between the charge and that verse is where I'll be preaching tonight. So you want to you want to come back. You know about being charged, and you know about fighting and keeping and finishing. But in between, what about between where we start and where we finish? That part that's called life. Come back tonight and be with us. I'd love for you to be here. Today we're going to have what we would think of as an old-time Bible class. If you've got Bibles, you're going to participate. You're going to join in. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the overhead screen for you. The 12th chapter, there are six verses in the 12th chapter of the book of Isaiah. And we're going to study that chapter together today. I I have every intention of getting you out on or before scheduled time, so uh, there's no reason to panic. We're not going to burn the roast today. There's a very simple reason for that. Does anybody want to venture a guess why I'm not going to burn the roast today? Did I hear somebody say he's hungry? That's the right answer. That's the right answer. Stand with me and we'll read this 
chapter together. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortedest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I, I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord. Call upon His name. Declare His doings among the people. Make mention that His name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for He hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou, thou inhabitants, of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Thank you for honoring the reading of the Word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's start at the sixth, at least for the moment, before we go back to one. And let me say to you, let me put the capstone on first. There's nothing more valuable or more important than the Holy One of Israel. He has to be the core. He has to be the substance. He has to be the matter that matters. Without Him, well, in the words of the old writer, Ralph Goodpasture, the music director for First Church of Deliverance in Chicago, wrote the song years ago. It's become standard to our worship. Without Him, I would be nothing. Without Him, I would but fail. Without Him, I would be drifting like a ship without a sail. He bridged it before bridge was even a word in music with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, do you know Him today? Please don't turn Him away. Jesus, oh, Jesus, without Him, how lost I would be. Without Him, life would be hopeless. Without Him, I'd be enslaved. Without Him, I would be nothing. But with Jesus... Thank God I'm saved. Man, what a revelation. Yeah, it's merely a little song that started out as a choir song for a large black church, African-American congregation. They were called black churches in that day. I've been there. I've sat there. I heard their organist play. Before he was famous. Before he was the other Beatle. Billy Preston. They would rock that place on a Sunday night. But I want to tell you something, folks. It's not about the talent of the players and the singers. It's not even about the words of the song which stand the litmus test of the ages. It's about the one that is the one. Without Him, oh hallelujah, without Him, you can't make it. You can't do it. You can't succeed. But with Jesus, praise God, I'm saved. Now, chapter 12 of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is known as, or known to us as, the Messianic prophet or the prophet who most of his writings is about future times. 
For you see, all prophecy is not about future times. A part of prophecy is foretelling, foreknowing. But prophecy can always be the revealing of the hidden in the moment. There are things that the Word brings out in us. I think we heard a prophetic word this morning talking about forgiveness, talking about the turning loose, talking about the letting go, talking about not holding to the things that would defile us. That was a prophetic word because in the very moment we live, someone may be holding on to an old hurt, to an old habit, to an old hang-up, to an old reality that's not real at all. It's merely their perception. And the learning to let go, to turn loose. I've got to let go. See, that's a prophetic word. But that's not a future prophecy like the head of gold and the shoulders of brass and all the way down to the feet that are clay. It's not that kind of foretelling. A part of prophecy is foreknowing. A part of prophecy is foretelling. But there's a very real part of prophecy that's the revealing in the here and now. That's why he placed in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the edifying, for the bringing to the knowledge of, for the gifting of the congregation. The greatest gift you're ever going to have as a believer And I don't say you to exclude me. I'm in that group too. The greatest gift we will ever have as a believer is a five-fold ministry that reveals unto us what we need to know and what we have to know in order to be saved. For you see, it pleased God for the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Are there any believers in class today? Are there any believers? I believe there's a God. I believe the Word of the Lord's holy. I believe that it withstands the test of the ages. It's accurate. And I believe that that God has an interest in me, in my whereabouts, in my activity, in my success. God cares about whether or not I prosper. It's His will for me to prosper and to be in health. That's what separates between a believer and an agnostic. An agnostic knows there's a God. An agnostic knows there's a higher power. There's a Creator. There's somebody who resources the outsource. You're not an atheist because you're an agnostic. You're an atheist because you want to get attention. You're an atheist because you want somebody's knees to jerk when you say, I don't believe there's a God. For you see, atheism is a religion in and of itself. People who claim they're atheists say, I don't believe in religion. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible. But in actuality and reality, atheism, if you go look it up, that's their religion. They are committed to the faith that I will not accept nor believe in a God. An agnostic is somebody that says, Life's done so much to me. I've had so much happen in my lifetime. I know there has to be a God. All of this couldn't have just happened. One firecracker couldn't have created all of it. There has to be a God. But I don't believe He cares about me. I don't think that that God, wherever He is and whoever He is, and we have a movement with an agenda that's very real and very alive in our world that says, I read it just the other day, if there is a God... She sure hadn't done a good job of letting us know what she wants. That's not a joke. Even though it is humorous. The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is God cares about me. 
God's interested in me. It's not a me first mentality. No. As a Christian, it's not a me first mentality. But it's, I know He cares. Oh yes, He cares. I know He cares. His heart is touched with my need. Amen. Does anybody believe the Lord actually cares about them? Amen. That makes explaining how we got to this moment and why we have what we have and why we're blessed and why we're still eating when some are hungry and why we're still clothed when some are naked and why we're still in our right mind when some are babbling. It makes it much easier to explain. God cares about us. He cares about me. Now, this messianic prophet, I'm, I'm just going to be open and honest and out front with you. Much of Isaiah is written to the first century. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called the Wonderful, the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You Bible studiers know that that's uh, chapter 9. And all through here, he writes to the first century. Isaiah is the Messianic prophet writing to the coming of Christ in a lot of ways. So I just, I just want to be upfront and honest with you that the twelfth chapter of Isaiah is not written to originally. It's not written to the church age. It's not written to the postmodern age and the church. It's written to Israel, the backslidden bride. The one who's gone astray. The one who at some moment will wake up and realize that the one that they rejected all the while was whom they did not believe him to be. In that, Israel and the agnostic or the atheist or the plain old unbeliever, the sinner. You see, everybody that's not saved is not an atheist. Everybody that's lost is not agnostic. I don't want to leave that kind of a a flavor in this service. There are some people that are lost simply because they neglect the free gift of God. They don't repent. Everybody that's lost will be lost because they're unrepentant. People want to argue about how much does it take to be saved? How much does it take to go to heaven? I'm convinced after all these years of living, it's a whole lot harder to be lost than we think it is. And it's a whole lot easier to get right than we believed it was. And it's a whole lot more realistic to live for God than we ever believed it could be. But I'll tell you how easy it is to be lost. It's the easiest thing in the world to be lost. Just neglect repentance. Do you know why you're in here feeling redeemed, feeling set free, feeling the sanctification of the Spirit in your life through the Word and by the power of God? Because you use repentance. I've never outgrown the need to repent. In fact, I think it's a good process to repent not only of the things you know, but of something you might have missed. Maybe we need to back that up and I need to say that again a little differently. Job prayed for himself, offered sacrifices for himself, and the Bible tells us he was a perfect and upright man in all of his ways. That's a hard act to follow. But he didn't stop there. He made sacrifices for his children and said, I don't know where my children are today. I don't know what they're doing today. I don't know what their calling and their vocation is at this moment. But just in case they neglect to repent on their own, I want to offer sacrifices of of repentance in behalf of my children. Dispensationally another time, I, I, I admit, I recognize. But I want to tell you, I think it's a good practice to repent every day for ourselves, whether we need it or not, and then to say, Lord, 
You know my grandchildren need your mercy. You know my children need your covering. Does anybody in here besides this crazy, foolish old preacher believe it still works to pray prayers of repentance over our families? Oh, my goodness, I hope you'll pray prayers of repentance over your ministry. God, in case my pastor, in case my bishop forgot to, to pray today or was too busy to study today or got caught up in life and, and, and they're just, just, just a smidgen from what they wanted to be at the end of the day. Would you help them? Would you cover them? Hey, you say that doesn't happen to preachers. Does it happen to you? Do you ever lay down at night exhausted and know you've absolutely hit the wall? You're wore out. You've run as far as long as you could. You're out of gas. Or if you're steam-powered, you're out of steam. No more coal left to go in the boiler. And you fall down flat on your back and say, There's nothing left. I'm out. I've hit the wall. And yet inside of your mind, there's that tug, that nag. You needed to read a few more chapters today. You needed to pray just a little more today. You know, you said in the last service where consecration was preached, I'm going to do this, that, and the other, and you didn't quite make it today. Am I preaching to anybody? No, I, I can tell by the looks of spirituality on all of your faces. That's not you. You pray every bit as much as you Of course that's us. We're still human. We still err. We still fall short. But I want to tell you something. All it takes is neglecting repentance. Repentance is the covering for, for when you don't go far enough, when you don't do enough, when you haven't lived like you were. Repentance. Repent. Lest I come and remove the candlestick from you. That was in Revelation. That was the end of the matter. Repentance works from Genesis to Revelation. Repentance works today. Repentance works for me Every day of my life, and I recommend it to you. Repent quickly, lest He come and remove your opportunity. It's writing to a backslidden nation, but look, look. I read it to you in the King James. Let's examine, let's examine it just a little bit in, in uh, some versions. Now, I study the King James. I read the versions. There's a difference. This is the Amplified Bible. It was given me. In fact, I may have it dated. Boy, this one's old, and I've had it a long time, and I've practically wore it out. My bishop, Bishop William Parent, gave me this Bible back in the Late 1960s, I think 1968 or 9 or 70, somewhere along in there. I've had this Bible a long time. In fact, when I got this Bible, you had to sneak around and read any other version other than the King James. This uh, amplified version takes... King James words and puts them into easily understood phrases and amplifies it somewhat. Here's what the twelfth chapter of Isaiah says. Keep it there for them to see. And in that day, you will say, had this been written to us instead of to Israel, that day it's talking about would be this day. It would be like February 9th, 2014. It would be saying to you, if you want to know what to do today, here's what to do. In that day you will say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. i got a simple question. Anybody in here besides myself ever felt like God was upset with you? A few. And I'm preaching to the wrong crowd this morning. So. 
Either, either we've not woke up yet, or man, we're far better than I thought we were. You've got me scratching my head, and it ain't even itching. I've had a lot of times when I felt like God was upset with me. I've come to church and watched everybody else get blessed. See, everybody else just, everything seems fine. I've watched Brother Moody, maybe that's the problem, watching. I've watched Brother Moody run the aisles when I didn't feel like I could run one more step. I've seen Brother Nelson get drunk in the Spirit when I, my getting drunk wouldn't have been in the Spirit. And that's a joke. That's bad humor. I recognize. I've come to church and I've seen people just give forth of themselves the praises and the wonderment of how great God is and and I didn't feel it. I've even had the anointed singers and, and musicians play. And all I could hear is the dropped beat or the missed note or the flat line. And, and no, it wasn't blessing me much because I wasn't feeling like God cared. Now, if you've never been there, it's a good thing you're in this service today. Because I predict, I don't even want to prophesy into you. But if you've never felt like that and never been there, I predict you will at some point, And it may not be long removed until you'll be saying, Oh God, do you even know me? Do you even care? In fact, I wrote one song that said, There have been times I really felt, God, you don't even know my name. I've been up and I've been down. To where I didn't know what to do. But in those times of joy or sorrow, Lord, I've learned to lean on you. I come today to tell you that if you think God doesn't care, if you're living through one of those valleys when it seems like you're up against the wall and you can't make it through and God's anger is kindled against you, God may get upset with you, but He don't stay mad. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of peace. He's a God of concern and long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In that day, you will say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God, my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and song. Yea, He has become my salvation. Mm. Some things happen just instantly. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He said, let the firmament be divided. That that's above from that that's beneath. And it happened. He said, let the... Uh, herbs bring forth and let the trees grow. And he spoke creation into place. But when it comes to you and me, it wasn't that easy. He reached down and took dirt from the, the, the river bank and he fashioned and formed it and made man in his own image and breathed into it the breath of life and man became a living soul. Honey, I got news for you. Because you're a living soul, there are some things He'll do for you in an instant, in a moment of time. There's other things you're going to have to work out. You're going to have to trust God. You're going to have to live by faith. And you're going to have to labor in the love of that faith to be an overcomer. But I've got additional information for you on that news flash. It's worth it to just keep holding on to Jesus. It's worth it to never give up. It's worth it to never go back. It's worth it to never turn loose of the things you ought to keep and never hold on to the things you ought to turn loose of. Forgiveness works as we've already heard. He is a forgiving God. He is a powerful God. And He becomes. It's not just an instantaneous thing. Is there anybody in here that remembers the night you got the Holy Ghost? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do too. It's been a long time, but I remember it. Do you remember in any sense, in any way, in any information, how great it felt when you burst through 
into the land, into the resource, into the experience of the glorious infilling of the Holy Spirit. Does anybody remember that? When tongues hit you afresh and you became a new creature in Christ Jesus. That's a great moment. That's a great experience. I thank God for that. But that's not my greatest testimony. It's a greater testimony for me when I've been on the very bottom and felt like I messed up so royal, I'll never feel God again. I'll never get to the cross again. I'll never be able to feel like I'm washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Hey, I've really tied it. I've really done it. It's really messed up. And that's when the greatest testimony is. It's when the anger of the Lord passes over. When the resentment of God lasts no longer. Whenever you no longer feel like God's out to get me. But He becomes your salvation. Hallelujah. He becomes your salvation. You see, it's talking about more than your repentance. It's talking about more than your baptism. It's talking about more than the the glossolalia of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you utterance. It's talking about becoming your salvation. When you're up against the wall, He's there. When you slip, He's there. When you fall, He's there. He's there to hold your hand. He's there to pick you up. He's there to carry you over. He's there to take you through. Hey, I'd much rather know Him as my salvation, as just my experience. That's nothing against baptism. We know that in the basic... uh, Council of experience. We must repent. I've already told you. All you have to do to be lost is don't repent. Baptism is not an option. I'm not making salvation or or regeneration in the sense of conversion optional. Baptism's a great thing. The infilling of the Holy Spirit's a great thing. I'm glad we've got it, but I got news for you. I'd rather be I'd rather know Him in the power of salvation. I'd rather know Him in the suffering of His crucifixion as just simply to know Him in the high moments of when the sin says, because I got news for you. We're going to shut the lights off after a while. We're going to go home and hopefully some of us are going to get an afternoon nap. I'm planning on doing that before I come back. And while the lights are off in here, it's yet church. It's still church, but it's dark and it's cold and it's of non-consequence because it's empty. But I got news for you. If He ever becomes your salvation, He'll be there for you in the middle of your darkest night. He'll be there when your fears are so overwhelming you don't know where to turn. That's why Moses could testify and say, when I'm overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. That is higher than I. He remembered the cleft of that rock. He remembered the shadow of the cleft of that rock when God drew him aside and talked to him and showed him the history, the hinder parts of what had happened. Hey, I want God to bless us today. I want us to be moved and anointed and empowered by the Holy Spirit today. But I don't want just some little wind of blessing that blows through here regardless of how real it is. Understand, I'm not trying to make those things not real. But I'm telling you, you got something living and beating and vibrating down in your soul that if you'll ever embrace it, if you'll ever come to grips with it, He's become my salvation. When I'm not all I want to be, He's everything He's supposed to be. When I'm not able to rise to the level I want to rise to, He's the lifter. He's my glory and the lifter of my head. Hey, I want to tell you, in life you're going to have your ups and downs. In your humanity, in your flesh, you're going to have times that you think you're doing really good and you're going to have other times that you say, Oh God, have you forsaken me? What you need either time 
is to know He's more than a Sunday night choice. He's more than a Sunday morning feel good. He's more than just an experience that I have while I'm in the house of God. He's more than just something bishop preaches or pastor teaches. He's more than a religious moment. He has become my salvation. If He's becoming, if He's growing, if the challenge of serving Him and living for Him and loving Him is is propelling you, motivating you, moving you, then you'll get up in the morning and you'll say, I love you more than I've ever loved you before in my life, Lord. I don't feel like I know my answers any better than yesterday, but I love you. You've become my salvation. Hallelujah. You have become. It's a growing process. It's a becoming. It's not an overnight thing. People give up. They do what we call backslide. That's not even a New Testament word, but we understand it. They backslide because they think it's always got to be like Sunday night. They think there can't ever be a Monday morning happening. That song I sung to you this today was a Monday morning happening. When life wasn't everything I wanted it to be, and the devil said, you'll never feel it. You may as well give up. And it wasn't about what am I going to feel. It was an admission. I may have been knocked down, but I don't have to stay down. I don't have to give up because, hey, when your foot is nigh unto slipping, do you know the answer? Go to the house of the Lord. That's what the Bible said. When my foot was nigh unto slipping, David testified, I went to the house of the Lord to inquire at his tabernacle. My God, when you're sick, you don't need to stay away from God. Whenever you're burdened, you don't need to stay away from the house of the Lord. When you got a problem, you don't need to pull in and try to work it out all by yourself. That's when you need to go to the rock of our salvation. Go to the stone that the builders rejected. Run to the mountain. Because the mountain's where your answer is. Hallelujah. Praise God. Mm. Wow. I've grown up from a child. Here in the next verse quoted over and over and over. Not knowing the context of where it comes from. And that's what brought me to you today to try to put in context for you that verse 3 said I myself says the Lord have commanded my designated ones and have summoned my mighty men to execute my anger God's admitting I had a plan lay out to really put you in your place to execute my anger, even my proudly exalted ones. I was going to use the Medes and the Persians. Those who were made to triumph over you. But hey, he couldn't stay mad. The Medes and the Persians could not become the handiwork of God because Israel had let God become their salvation. So instead of his anger boiling up in his face, God became my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord God is my strength and song. Yes, he has become my salvation. And here's the one. I grew up hearing this one. Therefore, with joy, will you draw water from the wells of salvation? I grew up thinking that was talking about we come to church and we sing and we get happy. And boy, I like the music. Brother Anderson, I've remarked to you several times spread over the last few months that I think the longer you play, the better you get. I like your playing. I like the band. I enjoy what the band does. Brother uh, step will never realize how much my wife enjoys it when he plays the saxophone. And he, he, he plays several instruments and plays them all well. But oh my, Brother Step, you'll never know. When you play that saxophone, my wife goes home 
and she tells me all about how great that was and how good that was and how she enjoyed it. In fact, I don't even want to hear about how good you played that. I took music appreciation. I understand when it's good and when it isn't. I don't have to be enlightened to all of that. And in fact, it makes me about half mad because I can't even get a squeak out of one of those things. Man, there's some things I can do and some things I'm dumber than a brick at. And brass is one of them. I tried to play in the, the brass band at school when I was in Indiana. And they dismissed me after the first day. They tried three different horns. I wanted to, I wanted to play the trombone. And it only sounded like expelling gas whenever I'd try to blow it. I mean, that's what the teacher told me. She said, this will never work. And then they tried me on something else. And they wound up giving me one of them little old things that the girls play. And I wasn't about to play that thing. So I just quit. I just give up. No, no clarinet for me. If I can't play the trombone, I will play the saxophone. Then they tried to give me a trumpet. They said, if anybody's got any ability at all, they can play a trumpet. I couldn't even get a sound out of it. They wanted to show me how to tune it. You don't need to tune something you can't get a sound out of. Man. I couldn't even get the full volume of the air I was blowing in it out of it. I was bad. I mean, I was really bad. But I'll tell you something. I did learn that even with everything we've got, that's a blessing. And I am playing with you, Brother Step, and you know that. You're, you're a great musician. I'm happy for you. But with everything we got, that blesses us. We better not ever forget that it's not music that saves us. Oh, but you don't understand, Bishop. I came to the altar while so-and-so was singing such-and-such. That's great. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you came. You don't understand. I've been really discouraged and gone to a gospel music concert, and it picked me up and it encouraged me. I'm glad it did. I believe that. I'm all for that. Keep buying those Magruder CDs and those Magruder albums. I'm all for that. I believe in that. But I got news for you. Until He becomes your salvation. Hey, I can sing your song this morning if He's not your salvation. And it'll be just as accurate as anything you get out of the hymn book. I'm walking the floor over you. I can't sleep at night and it's true. I'm hoping and I'm praying while my world breaks right in two. Walk in the floor. I got news for you. If he don't become your salvation, somewhere your boat's going to capsize. Somewhere it's going to tip over. But he isn't talking about when the band plays, the water starts springing. He's not talking about when the preacher preaches. Hey, I think sometimes us preachers, and I'm talking about me now and nobody else, we'd like to think we're more important in your life than we even are. I'd like to think I stand up here on a Sunday morning at approximately 15 minutes after 11 and it's time to start bringing it to a close and I want to change your life. I want to turn your life around and make your whole week better than it would have been. But I got news for you. It can be a great sermon. It can be a great preacher. It can be a great pastor. But until he becomes your salvation, until you know that you rise or fall in the hands of the one who is your Savior, your Keeper, your soon-to-return Lord and Master, until that becomes your answer, I got news for you. It's just a sensation. It's just a fleeting emotion. But if you want to know what it's talking about when it says, With joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. It's saying, when He becomes your salvation, when you realize His anger turns aside, when you realize that God does not have a vendetta out to, to do you in, to take you down, to make you fail. God doesn't want you to fail. It's not the will of God for Him, uh, for you to be lost. It's not some agenda on God's part to make you miserable. Hey, what you need to do is you better take your bucket and go back to the well of salvation 
and you need to drop the bucket in and say, I remember where you found me. I remember where you brought me from. I remember how lost I was when you forgave me. And I cannot do my first works over, but I've come back to repentance. And if there's anything in me that shouldn't be, take it out, Lord. Strengthen me. I want to be saved. I want to be right. And I want to be whole. Hey, that's what will get the joy in the well to pumping again. Go back to where the supply came from. Stand with me if you will, please. And in that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. And by means of His name in solemn entreaty, declare and make known His deeds among the people of the earth. Proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for He hath done excellent. Notice He didn't say great things, good things. There is a level of excellence that rises above merely being good. You can be good at something and that still not be your excelling point. But it says, He hath done excellent things gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Cry loud and shout joyfully. You women. I could almost get in the gender specificity of this statement. I could almost get offended. Did you hear that? Isaiah said, Cry loud and shout joyfully. You women. And inhabitants of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. What's significant about that? Glad you asked. It was a man's world. It was a man's world. It was a man's world. And for Isaiah to prophesy and to say, Girls, let him become your salvation. It's going to rise above the restrictions of the law. It's going to take you beyond the limitations of gender. And you're going to have a freedom and a liberty to proclaim, to testify, to prophesy. Joel caught a glimpse of it and said, That day your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Old men will dream dreams and young men will have visions. Don't ever lose your vision of God being your salvation and becoming your help. Now, I want to give a different type of invitation this morning than what we usually give. At this time, normally we say the altars are open, and of course they are. They always are. They're never closed. But usually on a Sunday morning like this, we say the altars are open, and we want you to find a place to pray. And you're welcome to do that if you have a design that you want to pray this morning. But I'd like to present a different invitation to you. I'd like for you to leave where you're standing in this dismissal moment. And instead of rushing out the doors to go to lunch or go to the restaurant or go home or whatever you do, just start moving through the pews and find people you know. Find guests that are new. Find friends that you haven't seen in a while and testify to them about what God's doing in your life. Not prayer request time, 
Not I'm having it rough. Would you pray for me? Life's been so tough. No, no, no. Even if you think God's been angry with you, this is the time when you go find someone and you say, and I'm giving you an example here, you say, in spite of everything I'm not, I want you to know God's been so great to me, so good to me. He's did excellent things in my life. And then you shouldn't have a problem remembering something God has done for you that is worthy of reminding. Before you do that, I'm going to pray into you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I know that I preach this under the direction of the Holy Ghost and under the counsel of your direction. And I know that there are those that are here regardless of whether it is at the surface or deep within their hearts. They feel and they have felt like you have lost sight of their whereabouts and concern for their well-being. But oh, with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation because you've become our salvation. I pray, Lord, that as we go forth from this place today, that we would be witnesses one to another and witnesses to those we come in contact with of the grand joy and excellent deliverance that you've become in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you do it right now? Would you do it right now? It's testimony service. Find someone to testify to before you leave. Find someone to tell what God's done in your life.